I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. I am Dave Biddle. I'm very happy to be joined by the People's Champ, Matt Baxendale. I tell you what, I mean, it's not never too early to talk about the Notre Dame game. We're a little over seven weeks away from the season opener. Let's get into it. Um, just your general thoughts on this matchup for Ohio State backs. I believe Vegas has Ohio State right around a two-touchdown favorite as of now. Um, what are your thoughts on this matchup with the Fighting Irish? That seems right to me. Uh, I, I don't think Notre Dame is anything this year that's particularly special. Like, they should be good. I'm not going to say that they're not good. But I also think Ohio State, especially if the defense is sick, should be a big favorite. Notre Dame's not going to have any answers to the Ohio State offense. So if Ohio State's defense can get off the field with some semblance of frequency, which I have to hope that they will, then, you know, I, I feel like Ohio State should be a pretty big favorite. And while it's a lot to say, oh, they're going to win by two, multiple touchdowns you know against the name brand like Notre Dame the reality is they're probably two touchdowns better at least if their defense is anything improved from last season so that 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 there's a reason the odds makers have it that high with two fan bases that are known to be interested in putting money on their team's game because remember odds makers do this they try to put the line at a spot where you bet evenly on both sides and they make their money in the middle that's always what their goal is, right? So it's not necessarily who they think is going to win. It's where that sweet spot is. They get the gambling money to play. So the reality is, is they don't necessarily think Ohio State's going to win by 14. But I also don't think that's a very unreasonable number at all. Ohio State's the better team, the better program, with the more experienced coach, right? That simple. Oh, and they're at home. Let's go to some questions here. This is from Lavie Smith on – YouTube says, good morning, guys. Love your show. Thank you very much, Mr. Smith. He says, what quarter will Jim Knowles, Jim Knowles' defense figure out Notre Dame's offense and get control of the game? I mean, I think maybe not right away, but I do feel like they'll settle in, make good adjustments. Notre Dame might have some plays coming out, but I, I can't see them hanging with Ohio State for four quarters. What do you think about Ohio State's defense against Notre Dame's offense, Bax? Well, it's ironic we're talking about Notre Dame and I'm wearing a green monster shirt. Nobody Don't think there's anything indicating my rooting interest in that game. But uh, I, I think that uh, you're probably going to see Notre Dame trying to come out of the gates with some sort of uh, maybe frickeration, if you will. I think they're going to try to come out and make a splash. Freeman's going to pull out everything that he can. Coming back to his alma mater, after all the controversy about all the diarrhea of the mouth that he's had about Ohio State a couple of times, you know he wants to win this game, right? So – I don't think that the defense is superbly uh, necessarily going to come out and knock people in the mouth like it's Carpenter, Hawk, and Slagle at linebacker back in the day. 
but I do think they're going to eventually kind of get a handle on things. And by the time we get into the second quarter, we may have traded a few scores by then. I think that's when Ohio State's defense will probably settle in for a few stops. I, again, this is the kind of game that wouldn't surprise me if it was something like 42-21 to 21 or something at the end of the game. But Notre Dame put up 14 in the first half. So I, I think OSU, if we get stops right out of the gate, that's more than I'm necessarily expecting, but I'd certainly love to see it. Notre Dame has a first-year starting quarterback. He's talented, but, man, what a way to make your first career start at Ohio Stadium against a very motivated and loaded Ohio State team. Now, obviously, they're better offensively than defensively. I'm not breaking news here, but still, what a tough start for young Tyler Buckner, uh, or Buckner, I should say Tyler Buckner. He uh, was a four-star recruit, top 100 overall uh, kid in the 2021 class, played a little bit as a true freshman last year as the backup. He's taken over, so – but, man, that could be a tough uh, first start from him. One thing he's got going for him, he's got the best tight end in the country, Michael Mayer. That guy's going to be the first tight end taken in the NFL draft probably pretty early. What are your thoughts on Tyler uh, Buckner, and what are your thoughts on maybe if the Buckeyes can slow down at least Michael Mayer? Because I'm sure Notre Dame's going to target him a lot. You know, actually, I, I like this, the thought that if we end up with sort of that 3-3-5 defense that Noel's so well-known for, that actually helps you cover the tight end. You have more people that are sort of – uh, over the top to be able to line up and match up on a tight end. It's actually a defense that lends itself better to those sort of matchups. Think about it. If you have a third safety, right, or if you have one of those hybrid guys out there that run with him, then that allows you to be able to keep it on him, and then you're still disguising the defense. So uh, I think Buckner's in trouble because Ohio State's defensive line is going to have those young guys out there that are going to be, uh, I think JTT, I think Sawyer, and I think Tyreek Williams are going to be incredibly disruptive this year. So I'm incredibly optimistic as to how that's going to go. So Buckner's probably going to end up on his butt a lot in this game, I guess. But, yeah, dealing with Myers is going to be an issue. But the last time anybody brought a big tight end into the horseshoe was a couple years ago, and all we heard about was Pat Fryermuth, and he turned out to be a pretty good NFL player. And Ohio State's defense had an answer for him. So I, I think Knowles' defense is set up well to match up to the tight end. And I guess we're going to have to see if Notre Dame tries to take advantage. If, if Ohio State does come out in that sort of 3-3-5 three, three, sort of mix set, are they going to try to run the ball with power and try to, you know, play against that defense, if you will? Because one of the weaknesses is if your front six, if you will, can't hand out part of the run, then you can be susceptible and you have to switch away from what you try to do up front as part of the chess game. So I, I think Ohio State, though, is going to have an advantage on the defensive line with those big young guys that they have. So. If they're anything as good as we all expect them to be, then Ohio State's defense is going to be okay. But, again, that's just a big unknown. Is Jim Knowles going to fix this defense? That's going to decide whether this team is just really good or whether they can be an actual champion. Yeah, I, I've said it you know numerous times. I mean, I have no doubt they're going to improve defensively, the Buckeyes will, but that is one hell of a low bar. My question is, how much will they improve? Can they be at least a top 40 national defense, total defense, scoring defense, and against this schedule – which isn't brutal as far as playing like great offenses, but still, it's overall, it's a tough schedule. They can be top 40 with an elite offense. Look out. If they can get them to top 30, dare I say top 25 defense in the country with the best offense in the country, look out, everybody. All right, let's get Just into this. Suck. That's all we got to do. Just don't suck. <laughs> the low yeah, bar. I mean, <laughs> here's the thing. Let's, we talked a lot about Notre Dame's offense and Ohio State's defense. Let's get into Notre Dame's defense a little bit. Now, the – Research that I've done so far, I like to say research, but apparently you're supposed to say research. Uh, put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, as they might say. Um, but um, 
done a lot of uh, research on uh, Notre Dame. Seems to me like they've got a very strong defensive line. A lot of guys coming back. Guys will be NFL players on that D line. So we'll see how Ohio State's O line can hold up. Um, I don't think Notre Dame's back seven is going to be able to like contain Ohio State at all, though. And that's a big problem. That's a big problem. And maybe they're going to be better in the back seven than maybe I'm giving them credit for. But I, I don't think Notre Dame's going to have a bad defense because that defensive line is really good. Um, but I don't think they can contain Ohio State, especially not for four quarters. No, and you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, that's that's the thing with Notre Dame. Is I agree with you. I think the strength of their defense is the D line. They've got a very good deep D line. They've recruited really well at the position. Uh, the, the problem is who's going to have cover JSN? Who are you going to have cover uh, Marvin Harrison Jr.? And the D line isn't going to be so good enough that it's going to be able to penetrate into the backfield and take down CJ Stroud with ease, right? Ohio State has a good offensive line. Stroud's a little bit mobile. Buckeyes are going to have a lot of passing success. I think they're going to come out throwing, too. Remember, everybody knows what Ohio State does well here. So Notre Dame is going to try to get to Stroud, and I don't know if there's really any good chance of them doing it. If they overblitz on it, we're going to hit some big plays early. But if you're Notre Dame, I think you have to swing at it because Ohio State's going to hit big plays anyway. So, yeah, I think the fact of the matter is the type of defense that's going to handle Ohio State is going to be the type of defense that doesn't have any weaknesses anywhere and particularly the guys that can at least hold the coverage for that extra second or two to allow a great D-line to try to get the crowd. Notre Dame doesn't have the guys to hold the coverage, in my opinion. So uh, I, I don't think Notre Dame's defense is going to be too uh, too successful, if you will, at slowing down what should be an Ohio State offense. But like I said earlier, my mind has this somewhere around a 42-21 kind of game. And if it's 42 for Ohio State, then we should win virtually every game this year that we play. So. I'm going 45-26 because that was the score the last time, time Notre Dame came to town. 1995 is the loudest I've ever heard the horseshoe. I was a student at Ohio State. I'm dating myself. Uh, freshman year at Ohio State. And uh, it was supposed – it was like crazy because Notre Dame was still considered like the power of the Midwest at the time, even in 95. Um, that's basically when Ohio State took the reins and said, no, we're the power of the Midwest. I guess it was really when Jim Trestle took over and flipped the Michigan rivalry on its head when Ohio State really took over the Midwest. Um, but, man, that 95 uh, Notre Dame game was rocking. All right, here we go. Um, there was a question for you, Bax, that, um, that I wanted to get into because this leads into what I was going to ask as well. Yeah, we have so many comments here. All right, basically, here we go. Here we go. Basically, I want to ask you about, okay, Ohio State's linebackers. I can't find the question. There's so many. I was going to ask you about this anyway, though. Um, what do you think about Ohio State's linebackers? Like, is there anything – are you concerned about the Buckeyes linebackers? Um, what do you have? You know, Knowles is obviously coaching them up. Beyond that, do you have any concerns when you look at Ohio State's roster, the projected depth chart, you know, depth on the O-line, linebackers? Does anything concern you when you look at this Ohio State 2022 roster and projected depth chart? Well, that's a lot to unpack there. Uh, let's start <laughs> with those linebackers, right? I'll have you yeah. on, man. If you have any concerns, let's talk about every position group. <laughs> No, um, not quarterback, not running not back, not wide receiver, oh, not leaving anything out, um, not not defensive end. I think the secondary is going to be really good. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, anyways, linebacker. So I think linebacker is going to be interesting. I think Ohio State is going to be really talented. Um, one of the things I think that we're looking at here, though, is that after seeing how the spring ended, it's likely that T.J. Hicks is going to potentially be one of the starters that's on the field all season, right? So we're talking about the two starting linebackers that are going to be on the field a bunch. And then you get your Sam guy who's going to come on as that part-time third guy, right? So right now it's looking like C.J. Hicks and um, Bill Chambers were the two that are likely to be on the field the most coming out of spring. And then, of course, um, you got our young Ironton star, 
coming up as the Sam guy here. So um, that's Reed Carrico, of course. And so here's the thing. Those two outside of Steel Chambers aren't super experienced, but I do think that they're super talented. They were highly, highly rated guys. T.J. Stroud was the number seven recruit overall in the country last year. Enrolled early at OSU, and by the end of the uh, end of the year, the uh, or the end of spring training or spring practice, I mean, I mean, T.J. Stroud, they didn't let, make him available to the media because they didn't want him answering all these questions about. Hey, how's it feel to be starting all over all these old senior senior guys? I mean, that would have been the whole theme of the day. So I think Ohio State has some depth at linebacker, but they have a real odd mix of experience that probably shouldn't play and youth that probably should, but is inexperienced. So I'm hoping that yin and yang of Chambers, who's actually played a fair amount, and um, Hicks that has it, kind of going to go hand in hand. I feel okay about the linebacker. To me, that's the biggest question mark I have. But we also that ties into the overall big picture question of, you know, how quick do these guys pick up the defensive team? How well do they adjust to a new world? This is not the same defense we played with last year. You know, we're going to have some of these hybrid guys that are out there. Um, I feel a lot better about the secondary than I do the linebackers. I feel pretty good about the D line. I love the starting group. I'm concerned a little bit about the depth side, but. That's just as a result last year of seeing a lot of these older guys not really put their imprint on the team on the D-line. So we may be relying on a lot of freshmen and sophomores up front on the D-line. But linebackers, look, there's a thing, a little bit of this here. It's like a video game. What what percent uh, growth do we get from the Knowles factor, right? I cast the Knowles spell. Does that get me 10% better? Does it get me 30% better? What does it get me? And I think that's the big unknowable. And in a sport where there's always turnover every year at a pretty high level, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how much that turnover at Ohio State turns into a good thing because we couldn't keep doing what we were doing last year. Let's get to some questions. This is a recruiting question. This is from J. Henry Miller on YouTube. Do the Buckeyes have any chance at landing offensive lineman Olas Alinen? Um, oh, y'all. Yeah. I Olaf think they have Lyman. a chance. I, I, I hope, you know, because he's, he's originally from Finland. We've got some – some fins here in town, including the uh, the GM of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Jarmo Kekalainen. Um, got a couple of players. Hopefully, Patrick Line will still be a player. I don't know how much longer he'll even be a jacket. Jonas Corposalo still on the team. So hopefully, they can help. But man, if I had to pick right now, I'd pick the field over the Buckeyes. But I know he likes Ohio State. What do you think? Can they land Olas? It'd be nice to land the number one European two years in a row. But uh, <laughs> Hero Canoe, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is one where we've already got four offensive linemen in the class. I think they're only taking one more. Um, I, I, I don't know if we're going to land him. I don't, like you said, I don't know. This is one where you pick the field against it. I'd love to see it. It'd be certainly a lot of fun, but I, I think that that's going to, I think circumstances are going to play out such that Ohio State doesn't end up with it. I guess. Here's one from David with the Wisconsin game now being a blackout. Do you anticipate the game being played at night? Yes. No? <laughs> you think it's going to be a big noon kickoff? Yep. It's going to be a stupid <laughs> big noon kickoff. We're going to be wearing all black jerseys, and it's going to be that late September start where it's probably 90 degrees because we get those random hot September days. So, yeah, and I hope it's a night game. Maybe there's another better game that day on the docket that has, like, more name brand power or whatever. But Ohio State-Wisconsin, two of the top, what, six brands in the Big Ten at worst. I think we're highly likely to see this game be the big noon window. And they've done these blackout during the day sort of things anyways. So it would be, the, it would be 
it would be classic that this is our alternate uniform days and we didn't have a night game. I hope it's a night game. But the cynic in me goes, this is going to be a nooner because they won Ohio State-Wisconsin on it, their, their favorite window, which is this big noon game. Here's a real hard-hitting question from our guy, Yakoff. This comes from YouTube as well. Good morning, gentlemen. What is your morning beverage of choice? Well, I go with vodka on the rocks, as you can see. That's really vodka. Woo! Okay, it's water. It's water. Water's my, my drink of choice. I'm not a big coffee guy. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drink a cappuccino or three here and there, but I'm like Diet Mountain Dew if I need some caffeine, but I'm just water. What about Diet you? Diet Mountain Dew? I used to drink regular Mountain Dew, and that's not a good idea. Uh, when I was like 30 and under, it didn't matter. I turned 30, and it was just like, uh-oh, I better stop uh, drinking the 240-calorie. Uh, I'm going to call it pop. I'm from Ohio. I can call yeah, it pop. We say pop. We say pop. Soda, it's pop. It's pop. So what's yeah. your – what's your? are you a coffee guy? What's your beverage of choice in the morning? I love the smell of coffee. It brings me back to a time circa 1987 where I was a child and life was easier, but I hate the taste of coffee. I don't do well with warm beverage. People can't tell. I'm the kind of person who's pretty impatient to go, 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 go a lot of times. And I always burn my damn tongue. So I don't like hot cocoa. I don't like coffee. I don't like tea. I don't like none of that. I just sound I like ask. You don't, you don't, I was going to ask if you like hot chocolate. That's, I, I love hot chocolate. I have to like sit there and wait for it to cool down. Oh, no way. Like, uh, and the other thing is, is that like, you know, I used to try to drink a ton of pop, but like I've been trying not to do that. I'm getting into my later 30s and I have to exercise more. So like agree pop, not soda where one goes. But like at the end of the day, uh, I, I've been trying to drink less pop. So my morning drink of choice is going to be a mimosa and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> we got some people chiming in coffee all day long. Pop, not soda. That's right. Where goes one? Yeah, C uh, Brown is all gas, no brakes. Going with the Red Bull in the morning, man. You can mix with your vodka, your rock and roll. My uh, my oldest daughter plays tennis, and uh, she was asking me to get her an energy drink, you know, before like one of her matches. And I told her I would do that. My wife heard that and said, "No way, you're not starting out drinking energy drinks before all of your." <laughs> Here's a bottle of seven thousand calories. <laughs> S.S. Craddock is saying Budweiser is his drink of choice in the morning. Maybe yeah, on football Saturdays, right? Start in the morning. You got to start in the morning to drink all day. Exactly. I mean, kegs and eggs. I mean, right? I mean, that's an Ohio State original. Kegs you and see eggs. the guy, Dave, that the night before every Michigan game as a student, I didn't sleep. We would party until the parties ended. We'd go back to the dorm and party more and make our way right to the parking lot to catch the earliest arriving partiers. I did that like four straight years, five straight years where I didn't sleep the night before the game. I was exhausted by the time that game was over, but it was so much fun. All right, let's get back on track here. Although it was fun talking about morning beverages. This is from Facebook. This is from Brooke. So speaking of recruiting, what is your perception of USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten? And what does that do for the Buckeyes recruiting in California or the West Coast in general? What do you think, Mr. Baxendell? I don't think it means anything to Ohio State. Ohio State's getting kids from everywhere. And it doesn't matter if they play USC or at UCLA every other year, right? I think the recruiting that it'll help will be the schools in the Big Ten that currently don't recruit in the uh, in the western part of the country as much. So if you're a school like, say, Minnesota, right, that probably doesn't pull many California kids, but now is likely to be at UCLA one year and at USC the next year, you can tell all these California kids, hey, you have all the benefits of playing in, uh, here at, Min in, in, at Minnesota, yada, 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 but you'll still get a home game every year where your family and friends see you at one of the teams. I think it opens up 
you know, how a lot, a lot of times you would have schools that would go to Texas in the Big 12, right? Why would Nebraska always have those kids come from Texas? Nebraska is another school, by the way, that used to have an incredible California pipeline and lost it because they sunk, didn't have coaches. Um, I think Nebraska is a school that's going to really benefit from this as well. But I, I don't think it helps or hurts Ohio State because where what where do we struggle recruiting at Ohio State? We go into Texas and beat Texas. We go to Georgia and beat Georgia. We go to Florida and beat Florida. We go to Pennsylvania and we beat Penn State, right? We go into California, we beat USD. Like, we do that already. So I don't think it makes a difference because Ohio State's already recruiting at such an elite level. I think it helps all the schools in the Big Ten that aren't recruiting at such an elite level because it immediately puts most of the rest of the current Pac-12 schools as a second-tier citizen. So when a Big Ten school walks in versus, say, Arizona, the only benefit Arizona has is the proximity. And that's not even going to be that proximate if you're going to California where it's a five-, six-hour drive anyway. So I think it helps a lot of the mid-level schools in the Big Ten. High State doesn't need the help. Yeah, I mean, they've been killed in, in California, which is crazy. That was like they've always done a good job in Florida, Georgia. Texas is relatively new. I think really beginning with that 2017 class, they started just to pillage the best players. Guards was the first Texan I can remember on OSU's roster. Up. And Ashton Yabodi, there's your throwback. Ashton, I'll, give you, oh, I'll give you one. How about David Boston from Humble, Texas? Yeah, we're, so we're talking two recruits a decade for a while from Texas, and now it's like two recruits a class. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, all right, well, great stuff from Bax. Thank you to all of the listeners and viewers out there. Thank you for all the questions and comments. Appreciate you guys very much. If you like the show, like, subscribe, give us a five-star review, depending on what platform you are listening or watching on. Again, really appreciate all of you guys. Thank you so much for making us a part of your morning. Hope everyone has a great day. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.